Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom as my co-host, Brad Lyons and Jordan Sudi. Hey, guys. Hey, Casey. Hi, Casey. And we all remember Jordan by now. Jordan is with uh, Sudi CPA just down the street from us and has joined us this, this quarter to cover all things tax-related because we have to do our tax planning now. Yep. Because when it's time to file taxes, it doesn't little matter too anymore. Late. Little right? too late. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So today's topic: tips for moving to to lower tax states. When I saw this on the agenda, part of me was like, "Why? Like, why do we need to know this? You just get a driver's license and you just move there, right?" And actually, it's not that simple. Um, or for probably our listeners, it would not be that simple. So let's let's talk about what's the worst case scenario. So give me a give me a worst case scenario. I'm gonna move. I'm in New York City and I'm paying local tax. I'm paying a high state tax, right? And then I get the federal tax on top of that, which is probably gonna be higher. And I'm gonna move to Florida. I'm going to West Palm, baby. <laughs> I don't even know if that. Let's let's make it even worse. You're moving be to worse than that. California. Let's take two high tax states. Oh. You know? Okay. So okay, or even you have. Um, I think I think the trend's moving out of California. I yes, but if we're going like the absolute worst case. <laughs> but we're going to go from, okay. So we're going to go from Texas or going from New York City, Manhattan to sunny, Los Angeles. Yep, sunny LA. Well, if you don't establish a domicile in one of those states and keep that domicile, technically both states could have a share of all of your income. They could go and they could just tax every dollar, saying this is your worldwide income. You were here. You're our resident, and you're going to be stuck with two massive tax bills. So that is, yeah, so not a good. you pay two state tax bills because both states are saying that they have rights to yeah. you. Yes. You're a full-year resident of both states, although you're technically not, but you're meeting whatever their qualifications are for full-year resident, which isn't 365 days. It's different for every state. So you might be meeting each state's requirements while not even being there half of the time. So it's something that you have to watch out for whatever state you're you're visiting for an extended period of time, making sure that you're following certain rules to avoid massive tax bills. Or if you just move to Florida. Or yeah, if you just move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, escape half the tax there, yeah. Or, but they could also claim still. New York could still claim that you were there the entire time, or you were there enough of the time, enough yeah. of the time to be mm-hmm. ta- fully taxed, even though you On, say yes. you moved to Florida. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was my worst case scenario. You just made it. Sorry. Evil. Sorry. Worser. That's the proper way to say that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't want to pay two state taxes to go from one end of the country to the other. So how do we avoid this? There are some steps you can take, and while there is no one bright line test, there are things you can do to kind of start to prove, hey, I actually have moved. So step one, get a driver's license for whatever new state you're moving to. Register to vote. Even better, vote in that state. Register your cars. Find new doctors. Find a new place of worship. Join a gym. And while you're doing all that at the same time, sever that relationship with your previous state, you know, treat it like a bad breakup, you know, cancel your gym membership, cancel leases. If you have them there, sell your home. Um, if you're moving to Florida, you'd want to either rent or if you're buying, get the homestead exemption, you know, qualify for that. So there, there are just things that you have to do to make sure that you're establishing, Hey, I live here and I do not live there. And especially as of a certain date, you don't want it to kind of linger um, and say, Oh, I really didn't leave New York until September, but I moved in June. You know, you want to leave New York in June and you want to arrive to your new state in June. Yeah. You told me about a case earlier that um, it got challenged. And in the end is because the person took their dog. 
Yep. Their nearest and dearest possession went with them. And so their domicile was established in a new location with the dog. Yeah. So aside from, you know, like establishing, you know, the domicile, Mm -hmm. it's showing good records that you've done this as well. Yes. If you're moving for a job, something that's obvious that you would want to keep, maintain good records of is the offer letter. Right. Exactly. Stating from the company when you're to start and you know, where the job is and so on, that would be something that somebody would want to keep. Absolutely. Yeah, they say to keep logs as well, you know, even just personally. Um, And while those might be challenged a little bit, you know, if they ever were to come up against a a state taxing authority, it's always a good idea. Just keep a log and have something to back it up, whether that's receipts or like you said, offer letters. You know, here I moved on this day because here's my offer letter, my start date. Anything you can have to back it up, the better. So I guess another angle of looking at this too, it's not just for IRS reasons, but for legality reasons is you should have a will uh, for the state that you're living in. You should have power of attorney and medical directive. Well, each state's medical directives and power of attorneys are written a little differently. So you definitely want to have an attorney in the new state draft new wills and new uh, power of attorney for that particular state. Uh, You don't want to end up in a situation where you're in probate in two two different places where you don't have to be. Right. And then for many of our clients, they have revocable living trust because they have properties in multiple states. Right. So having to probate across multiple states, now everything's just controlled inside the revocable living trust. You'd want that reviewed for the state that you're moving to to make sure that it was written properly. Right. And, and many revocable living trusts are written for all states. Uh, they're the ones that are like 100 page long. Uh, some attorneys, their revocable living trusts are two pages. That's not built for... Uh, well, I don't think any good revocable trust is two pages, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but let's focus on on, uh, on making sure that that gets reviewed. So, and, that, and at the same time, that would also be proof that right, yes, you know, definitely. The, the old the old wills and the old uh, or the old power of attorney and medical directors are still good at those states. It's not that they go bad. The will would get canceled out, but that, that's something that should be considered as well. Okay, so we're going to move. We're going to get a driver's license. We're going to register the vote. We're going to do all the things that we need to do if we're actually moving there. Right. So this is not a podcast about how to live in New York and pay and get qualified for Florida uh, <laughs> Florida taxes, which there, there are none, which is why people try to scam the system. Mm-hmm. But um, certain states are very aggressive. Yes. So if you're coming out of a high-tax state, it appears that those are the most aggressive states. Even here in the South, you're telling me North Carolina is a fairly aggressive state. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but they are. They will come after their fair share if they if they see. And and we can talk about what prompts a state to look into somebody. You know, if you think about it, when do you normally move? Most people they usually move in the summer. In the summertime, in between fall, the spring and and fall school. Right. Exactly. Right. So if you have children. It's quite a normal thing to move, you know, put it off until summertime. Right. So if you've been filing, you know, Georgia tax returns for your entire life, and then all of a sudden you stop filing, and as of January 1st, they're going to be like, wait a second, you didn't watch the ball drop and then pack your stuff up and move the very next day. So they're going to, that might prompt them to look into, okay, maybe you're not a resident anymore, but when exactly did you move? Did you have six, nine, 10 months of income that we could reasonably tax because you were still living here? Because the easy answer is to say, oh, new year, you moved. All right, we're just going to split now. But really, to be correct, you should allocate income based on, I mean, down to the day that you move to be the most correct. You know, these taxing authorities, it's hard to imagine that there's not been a scenario that they haven't seen. 
Right. It may be the first time for the mover, the person who right. moves. And, right. But it's not the first time for the taxing authority. Yes. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. So let's change situations a little bit. Let's say you have a um, second property. So you have a place in Florida and you have a place in Georgia and you go back and forth. Yeah. And you're still working. You're not retired. Right. What I would do there, you've got to learn what are Georgia's residency rules, you know? And if you're trying to, if you're really living in Florida, but only coming back a little bit, that's where you start to take those steps and really figure out at what day does Georgia consider you to be a resident. And that's where it just really comes into changing your domicile, making sure that you truly are a Florida resident if you if you really are, you know? If you're just trying to escape tax and kind of move things around, it might be a little harder, but really finding out at what point does Georgia consider me a resident? And if I truly am not a resident, making sure that I'm taking those steps to prove otherwise. So in the airline pilot world, which we have a lot of clients in the airline pilot world, you know, they'll often live in Florida, but their domicile might be Texas or Georgia or, uh, and, and, and all that, it's actually a little easier because you're actually protected with the Railroad Labor Act mm-hmm. uh, on that front. So you could live in Florida. It complicates things if you didn't have a home somewhere else. If you have two homes, right, one in, one in a higher tax state, one in a no tax state, but yet you commute to Houston to work, that that gets a little more sticky. So you you have to really take these steps to show that you no, know, this condo in Fort Walton is my primary home. Yeah, I have a Florida driver's license. I voted here. I you're right. You go through my all doctor's those steps. here. Yeah, right. exactly mm-hmm. to be able to show that. Yeah. So let's let's go up another step. Okay. So now let's get into uh, we're ultra high net worth family, mm-hmm. and we have um, large properties, uh, multiple businesses, and we have we're calling Florida our primary home, but yet we have a business in Georgia. Right. And we might have a house overseas now. Right. I mean, there's whole apps out there that you just keep your phone with you, and it'll log where you are. I think even might even track spending. So it shows spending yeah. and your physical location. As a tax accountant, I would love to see that. <laughs> I mean, that would be so helpful because, I mean, you have clients like that and a lot of times people aren't keeping up with it, you know? And so you're left with, oh gosh, we have to do our best job of making sure we're putting income where it should be. So something like that is definitely a good idea because you don't want New York coming back and clawing income back into their state. That's not rightfully theirs. So if you are in a situation like that, I would highly encourage you to be very mindful of where you're earning your income and where you're spending your time so that we can report it accurately at the end of the year. Well, most people, if you think about where was I, they, they look at their calendars, I guess, or look at their phones and they try to figure out where they were. During the year. I mean, that, that could get complicated. It could. I mean, rece- to prove, it, especially. It, yes. I mean, that's where receipts come into play. I mean, where were you physically during that time? And yeah, just like I said, being mindful of the fact that a state could come in and do this. So just kind of being prepared for the what ifs, you know, if they do want to come and call that income. All right. So basically register your vehicle, get a driver's license, register the vote, change the address on your, on your banking records. Uh, anything that you get regularly in the mail that you, that you need, make sure it's the new address and then revise your estate plan documents for a new state. And then if, if you're, fortunate enough to be in a a jet setting situation with multiple large properties, then there are multiple apps out there that you can use to help track your domicile, or you just need to have the same good hard proof that this is, this is home. And what we learned is take your dog. 
Yes, take your nearest and dearest possessions with you. It'll it'll make a difference. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.